best bud um good morning and oh, good morning <laughs> thank you for clarifying <laughs> what? hi welcome to resting witch face your one-stop haunt for all things spooky bitchy buffy and more i'm bailey bennett i'm grant jacoby and today we are going to talk about season six of our favorite show the season where the writers woke up every single day and chose pain <laughs> Um, I'm honestly probably too excited to, to talk about this season. Like I I'm should feel excited. I, look, what we, what I always say about season six is it has the highest highs and the lowest lows. I think of the entire series. I think I have a lot more love for it than Grant mm-hmm. might, which is to- totally understandable. And, and you may be making the correct decision in the way that you feel about this season, but for some well, reason, she just she shoots straight into the heart. Yeah, like a steak. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she and by she I mean season six. Yeah, she is a complicated beast in my mind because, as previously mentioned, this is the first season I watched live. Right. Um. So I have like a real affinity for it because, like, I like remember like putting in my little VHS tape into the. VHS player and pressing record and watching that shit back. Um, I'm so sorry if you could. My, my cat is crying in the background. Oh, like I, she, I can't. Like she, I can't hear. Okay, She's, good. Well, she, she has she has some thoughts and feelings about. She, she she has a lot of thoughts about your VHS tapes. Yeah. Do you remember having to record TV shows that way? Yes. Okay. And like, well, I also had a very like. TiVo was was really oh my cool. god TiVo I think yeah. that was really sort of like the new wave um, mm-hmm. that yeah. I feel like was post this that was like a circa 2010 mm-hmm. moment um, not to date ourselves but we are freshly in a newly post 9-11 era is where, oh, when true. season six um, premiered which is why it is so jarring in that scene I think it's an ah or is, no it might be in, in bargaining when they all go to the Sunnydale airport because there's some randomly a Sunnydale airport oh my God, and yeah. just go right to the gate to say goodbye to Giles like you can't do that anymore Ooh, yeah there's a lot there's a lot to unpack in this season um yeah. I will say before we really get into it um I sh- we should have done this probably on some previous episodes but I'll just say that they're a trigger warning for us talking about sexual assault and sexual mm-hmm. violence in this episode. Um, there is no way to get around it when you're talking about season six, unfortunately. Um, and I think we all have a lot of thoughts about that and we'll get into some of them. But I just, you know, if that's not something that you want to hear about, maybe would recommend not listening to this episode or we can try to give another warning if, what before we get deep into that topic. Um, but anyway... What is there? What? What? Okay. Oh, you know what we should talk about is season six is the first season that 
aired on the UPN. Yes, and you can tell. Um, you sure can. There wasn't enough of a delay between seasons where, like, I'm sure, like, the sets were all kept and mm-hmm. um, you could still, like, looks and feels the same. But mm-hmm. the big difference is, I guess, like, the mature content <laughs> yes. that is suddenly allowed, where suddenly, like, the sex scenes are much more explicit and mm-hmm. sexual jokes are much more explicit. Mm-hmm. And, um, because I feel like at this time, the WB was really like a family network more so. Mm-hmm. Um, and the UPN was just like there. I'm just like, We're, we'll do whatever. Yeah. Oh, I meant to tell you that I had a, a question on a crossword the other day that was like with the network that superseded the CW. And I was like, finally, my knowledge of this television network that truly like no one was aware of besides people who watched America's Next Top Model. Um, mm-hmm. Finally, finally, that knowledge has has I can put that to good use. So thank God for that. <laughs> yeah. So, did you know that the UPN stands for the United Paramount Network? I did not know that. So it's like the precursor, like Paramount Plus. Oh, maybe? that's interesting. Okay. It was also only around from 1995 until 2006. Like it really wasn't on for that long. You know what? Yeah. (laughs) Get in, get out, do one more thing. That's it. Um, We also, it has to be acknowledged that the UPN also had Veronica Mars. That is so true. And that's extremely important. And I would say, Grant, I remember you telling me the first time I finished Buffy when I was absolutely distraught and was like, what the fuck do I do now? And you were sort of like the best, the best gentle, descent from Buffy is to just watch Veronica Mars and you were right Mm -hmm. that it helped it's the closest despite them having like any supernatural elements it's I think the closest tonally I agree in the sense of like you've got like a spunky blonde lead Mm -hmm. who can act her face off Mm -hmm. and you also have like tense storylines but that's mixed with like really dry unique humor mm-hmm. you sort of have was, you also have that love triangle mm-hmm, sort of sure do. element yeah i mean who was rooting for duncan but i mean um who's all the now, people like, who were rooting for angel <laughs> oh, all right um oh. no I, I was actually thinking about this the other day because i think it was in the first episode that we did for the season where you where we were doing high stakes and you were like who would you recast Oh. As. And I had like this moment of the day where I was like, okay, it's like, I actually don't know how far apart Sarah Michelle Geller and Kristen Bell are in age. I feel like they're closer than I think they are. They probably are. Yeah. Probably only like, but, but like less she, I think than she five years. Handled it. Oh, I totally agree. Kristen Especially when like this, the singing yep. elements, but True. we'll, we'll get to that soon. Yeah. Um, should we do a little like recap of the season? Yeah. Oh, one 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 more thing that I was going to yeah. say was just and and I, you know, there's a lot of a lot of rumors, a lot of talk around this season, and you know, who is at the helm and Joss's involvement with this season. Um, I think that what I've always heard about season six and a little and a little bit in seven as well is that Joss Whedon sort of stepped away from Buffy a bit to focus on Firefly 
which ended up being a quite quite a short-lived series, but still one that that is extremely beloved and has I've a really cult. It. Oh, oh, Grant, you really should. Um, it's I know. it's no. I definitely have an excuse. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to want to commit to a show when you know there's not going to be a super satisfying conclusion. They did end up getting to make the film Serenity, which was sort of a. Which- I did see. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know how you, I mean, you also watched season six of this television show first, apparently. That's so. true. That's um, true. But what I'm trying to say here is that- <laughs> I don't Joss, care about rules. Rules, never heard of them. Just stepped away a bit. Um, we know that Marty Noxon, who was a longtime writer and producer on this show, stepped into more of a, a show running capacity in some ways on this season. Um but I mean, of course, Joss's presence is still extremely felt throughout the season. And there are some specific things that we can talk about in relation to that. But I think it's just worth pointing out some people, I believe that Marty Noxon's Twitter bio is like, I ruined Buffy and I can ruin you too, or something iconic <laughs> like that. I love Marty Noxon and she's created some incredible shows post Buffy, but um, unfairly sort of is credited with like, quote unquote, ruining this season um which i i don't i don't agree with and i don't even know how many of these decisions were hers i think that what we've learned is that joss has a very specific vision for things he there's things that he has planned out far far in advance um i personally am very excited that you know a female showrunner was able to take more of the spotlight um in these later seasons especially in light of knowing more about Jaws. But um, I think I totally understand why this is such a controversial season and why such why people have such a difficult time with it. It's extremely, extremely dark at, at points, but at the same time, I think is so it's such a it's so richly nuanced and complicated that there's so much to talk about there. And there are a lot of things that didn't work, but there is a lot that did work. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to caveat that to say there is a noticeable shift in the way that the show feels, I think in this season. For sure. Um, Well, yeah. So when the season picks up, obviously at the end of season five, Buffy sacrificed herself to save the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So she is dead. And the Scooby gang is, you know, doing the best that they can. They're all kind of pitching in for patrolling and they want to keep up the, illusion that Buffy's still alive. So they have the Buffy bot um, also as part of the team. Mm-hmm. And which, which is so funny because they, they need to have the Buffy bot around. It's simultaneously to convince like demons that there's still a slayer mm-hmm. in Sunnydale. But then also the fact that if like the system knew that Buffy was dead, then Dawn would go into foster care. Right. But there's still a literal grave in the Sunnydale Cemetery. That's actually a really great point. <laughs> like all it takes would be like one vamp to be like walk around and be like, huh? I think they're also trying to like confuse like the council potentially, like the Watchers Council, even though Buffy is not even really connected to the Watchers Council anymore. But like- yeah, I think she's quit the council. And I think I, I've often seen like dialogue where it's like, if Buffy dies, shouldn't there be another new Slayer? But I think that like, no, because Faith already is still died. Alive. Yeah, Faith is still the, yeah, no, like the, the connection got broken when Buffy died and right. came back the first time. 
Right. A new Slayer wouldn't be called unless Faith were killed because Buffy mm-hmm. is not supposed to be alive in this version of events anyway. Right. So, any okay, go, go on. Yeah. Um, but through all that, um, the Scooby specifically spearheaded by Willow have decided to try and bring Buffy back from the dead, mm-hmm. which they, spoiler alert, do. Yep. Um, it's about as clunky as a resurrection as there ever could be one. Mm-hmm. But the emotional and, stakes are there and you just, yes. you just sort of forgive the plot devices t- to get us there because I do mm-hmm. think Buffy's actual resurrection um, and some of the, some of the storylines that we get from that are incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important and worth noting that the Scoobies all think that Buffy is being held in some sort of evil tormenting hell dimension Mm -hmm. which is why they specifically want to bring her back that's kind of they're like she's Mm -hmm. saved us so many times we can't just like leave her in hell Mm -hmm. um so they perform a spell to bring her back they're interrupted by a biker gang Mm -hmm. of demons and Mm -hmm. then this results in buffy waking up alone in her own grave which has to be just like yeah, one of the more traumatizing things that could happen. Mm-hmm. But they find her and bring her home. And immediately she's thrust into all the, the perils of adulthood, such mm-hmm. as paying your bills right. and finding a job. Like a real like a some a really like fun couple episodes <laughs> where the, the the true mundaneness, is that a word? Yep. Mm-hmm. Of what it's like to be an adult. And it's also worth knowing that she's like at this point, probably about like 20, 21. Yeah. I believe that. I believe she's 20. She's, and she's also, we should say is she's dead for, I believe 147 days today, or 147 days yesterday, 148 today, but today it doesn't count. So about three months, a little over three months, just enough time for that, you know, summer break. Right. Great. Summer's break. (laughs) Summer's break. She took a little break. Um, As she's acclimating back to life, um, she's obviously having a lot of issues with that. And we soon learn that she was not being kept in a hell dimension, but was in fact in what she perceives as heaven, um, which is such a beautifully devastating scene when she confides in Spike. Mm -hmm. Um, That's in what? Afterlife? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, because that's that's the the episode where they're like, why isn't she more grateful? Yes. <laughs> the continued narrative that her friends do not acknowledge her trauma ever. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, it's and it, it's never more egregious than in this season. So mm-hmm. yeah, like literally brought brought back from the dead. And mm-hmm. they're like, can she say thank you? <laughs> like Yep. Except for Spike, who mm-hmm. is the one person who's there for her at the beginning of the season, which is why certain events uh, happen after that. But we can we can keep going. Yeah. Um, so initially, that is just kind of like, like a little secret between her and Spike. Um, but that gets revealed to the rest of the group via song and dance in Once More the Feeling, which I, I want to circle back to. Obviously, obviously. we'll spend one full hour on that later yeah. in the episode. <laughs> Um, it's also worth noting that this in this season, Anthony Stewart had decided to step away from his role as Giles. Right. Um, I think he just was 
it, my guess is that like the show was canceled at the WB and he was like, perfect. I'm really tired of being in the yeah. US when my whole family's living in like the lush hills of England. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, just came coming back. And he's like, that's funny. I'm not. Um, but they do it in it, the way that they keep doing it is like he gets on a plane and leaves. And then two episodes later, they're like, we've got to call Giles. And then Giles has to mm-hmm. get on a plane and come back. And that like he just keeps leaving at the most inopportune times where like his character really needs to be there a few yeah. episodes later. <laughs> I mean, I think it makes sense that like because he is obviously does not approve of the resurrection spell. So I, I understand mm-hmm. like not having him around for that. They wanted to like get him as far away as mm-hmm. possible. But yeah, they should have just like filmed all of his scenes I know. at once and just like sprinkled them throughout. Cause yeah, it, it is very jarring when he's, he leaves, comes back and then suddenly he's like, they don't need me anymore. Like when he first is leaving, he's like, they don't need me anymore. It's like, okay, like Buffy's sure. not here. There's like, sure. that was kind of the, his connection to the group. <laughs> Buffy's back to life. And he's still just like, you know what? I wish I could help, but like <laughs> deuces. It is so completely out of character because he leaves at the end of mm-hmm. Tabula Rasa, which is the episode after Once More with Feeling, where they learn that Buffy has been ripped out of heaven, where she is literally mm-hmm. going through the worst experience of her entire doubly resurrected life. It is so yeah. completely out of character that Giles would be like, I gotta go. Like, yeah. I'm holding you back. She's like, I'm barely <laughs> like even holding it together. What do you mean you're holding me back? <laughs> Yeah, but eventually she just be like, like, do you remember like literally six months ago when the only parent I like I have left died because yeah, my absentee that? father like couldn't even bother like calling. Right, like Giles. And now I'm like, like <laughs> you guys are. I know you're all like basically teenagers, but you can take care of Don, right? Like this is you'll be fine. <laughs> I guess he does give Buffy like a check. <laughs> it's, it's he does, yeah, messy. which I think like super messy because like i understand what they were going for where they're like okay like well especially with joyce out of the picture i understand that they were trying to be like acknowledge like the like the plot hole of like how were they able to afford to like just like constantly repair the house when it gets destroyed and like blah 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 but it was just like a weird thing to introduce where it's like i could have gone the entire series being like not needing to like just not worried about it. Just like not worried about it. We don't yeah. need to see Buffy work at a fast food restaurant. Yeah. Like it just not was not on like the like in in, in like Buffy bingo. I was like just didn't yep. need that. Yep, it was a really big low point. Um anyway. Anywho, so Giles is gone. Well, it's also it's also another thing about, about Giles, just to say, is what's super goofy is that he's still like a special guest star in season seven and is in pretty much every single episode. <laughs> I know. Like, I know. Obviously, they, I'm sure they filmed more in England that season, which helped. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> goofy. It does um, make for a really, honestly, sexy return at the end of does, season six does. for Giles, for Daddy. So Very brief. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so also kind of brewing under the surface this season, kind of with the other characters up to this point, we have Xander and Anya, who got engaged at the end of season five and are kind of keeping it a secret Mm -hmm. because they feel like it's not the right time to tell people. They finally do more on that later. Um, And randomly this season, which is, I think is the the plot device that I have the biggest issue with Mm -hmm. is the clunky introduction and then follow through of the fact that Willow is addicted to magic. Oh God. Sorry. Magics. 
because for some reason this season it's only plural. Of course. To you're addicted to the magics. That's what that's what they always say. Right. Um and it's obviously a very loosely veiled metaphor for drugs, but for some just like like literally randomly they're like you're doing too much magic and it's like well, it's never been an issue before when right. like she'll use magic to like save everyone's lives. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um which then leads into her bringing Amy back from Ratland. Oh my god. And then the things they do to Amy's character also. Oh yeah, the absolute character assassination. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. And the double pump of smashed and wrecked, which are just like whew. Mm-hmm. Well, there's um, smashed has some redeeming qualities and we can talk about them. Okay. Oh, right. Um <laughs> We also have the introduction of who we think are going to be our big bad, which is the trio of yeah. Jonathan, Andrew, and your favorite character, Warren. Oh yeah, I mean, who doesn't love Warren? What a what a guy. <laughs> um, who really rival Adam as like the lamest villains on the show? He yes, but like I also don't even like, but I, I also don't want to negate the fact that he is so toxic that he, I mean, he has a much more lasting impression than Adam yes, does that's true. because of his <clears throat> absolute toxic masculinity that turns into violence. Yeah. But I, I just remember watching this season for the first time being like, really, mm-hmm. this is who our main villains are going to be like, this mm-hmm. is so lame. They're human. They're not very good at what they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're kind of just like annoying. There's like literally just like pains in Buffy's ass. Right. Which obviously was the point. More on that later. Buffy gets a haircut. Uh-huh. And starts working at the Double Meat Palace. But yeah. They're just like, there are a lot of episodes here that are like, aren't bad. I mean, Double Meat Palace, the episode is awful. Uh, atrocious. Um, but it's just, is- it's just, there's nothing like no one's having fun no one's having a good time i'm Buffy's having a good in, time watching her yeah. <laughs> fucking in the throes of depression <laughs> no i'm not because it's very it's it's so um dark and abusive in many ways and like we can get into that but yeah oh yeah yeah so buffy start, starts boinking spike mm-hmm. um they have their first kiss at the end of once more with feeling mm-hmm. they bone and smash mm-hmm um, should we just talk about that scene? You want you want to talk about them fucking a house down? Fuck in a floor length <laughs> gown, just okay, raw dogging I... it in a floor length leather skirt. <laughs> you you have <clears throat> several times um, referred to that moment as finger banging, and I would like to state that I believe oh, no, no, they're no, no. fully having sex. <laughs> no, the finger banging scene is um, in Dead Things and the Valley. Oh God. Which is another which, whole thing. Which is a horrible, horrible okay. scene. No, that's no in in Smash that they are full on. You, you see her get up and sit down on that dick. They, they had <laughs> they inserted a, a zipper uh, sound, an unzipping sound. Um, I I told you I've I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before, but my favorite piece of Buffy the Vampire Slayer trivia is that allegedly Sarah Michelle Gellar was moaning and vocalizing so loudly during the shooting of the sex scene in smashed that they had to turn her down and turn up the background music because it was too explicit 
and 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 I love that for her. She she commits. Um, yeah. Well, again, well. this this is this is the indicative of a change of network where, as oh, we yeah. talked about before in previous seasons, if they're having sex, it is various shots of limbs and sheets and beaded sweat and little breathy moans. I mean, great. No thrusting. The, the shock that I felt watching this scene for the first time, I I mean, there's no way for me to describe to you the experience I was having because as as I've said before, like I am a huge Spike apologist, not going to apologize for many of his actions in this season. And we'll get into that, but I love Spike so much and like shipped them from the beginning, never thought that they would fully give it to us. Like mm. I know they kissed a, a couple of times, um, but when it came to this episode, because the whole, the whole lead up to to them fucking and smashed is spike realizing that the chip doesn't work against buffy because Mm, mm -hmm. since she has been brought back from the dead this is another clunky plot device where they sort of just explain it as like her atoms were rearranged she's still human but she's a little different than she was before so like (laughs) spike is able to hurt her like the chip doesn't work on her but so he's he he realizes he can hurt buffy and so they it becomes an extremely violent episode where they're truly mm-hmm. just like getting out their sexual frustrations against one another and their and their hatred for one another by beating each other up but i i also think that <laughs> i think they realized that they had to introduce that device where um the chip doesn't work against her so that so that nobody could, would complain about like the violent sex that they were having. Yeah. Like I think never not having the roughest sex. Imaginable. Right. So it's basically, yeah, it turns into them fully breaking a house with their sex. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I mean, it's hot, but it, it is, it is problematic. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the notion of this, level of physical abuse and i think it can be explained away because it's like oh she's super strong like Mm -hmm. she can take a punch oh god (laughs) yeah i mean we'll talk we'll talk more about the buffy and spike relationship but i think it is abusive and toxic from both sides of the relationship Mm -hmm. um and there are many problems but anyway so that their relationship is going on in the background of all of the middle Um, of this season in in secret um, the first person who finds out is Tara mm-hmm. when Buffy confides in her after, again, this storyline of like, why can Spike hurt me? Yeah, this in death. Blah, 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 blah. Um, which in an otherwise atrociously offensive episode. Oh, yeah. Um, we do get that lovely scene with her and Tara. Mm-hmm. Um we also get a, we get a Riley return. Very I was going to say we get. Um, <laughs> it's it's interesting because on the one hand, that that episode being as you were, it's nice that there is some sort of conclusion with Riley, and you do see the juxtaposition of like Buffy seeing like what she could have had, mm-hmm. and like because he was like the nice boy, and you know he's like. Mm-hmm. And isn't that the episode where she then puts on that like purple frilly top and goes to Spike and she's like, we're done. Yeah. She's like, I'm using you. Yeah. And, and it's killing me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also like truly, if you had to like pluck one. No, there's other episodes I would pluck probably. 
yeah, like didn't need conclusion on the Riley character, but it is some nice conclusion for him. Although, you know, as we know, he shows up married, which timeline wise, like, mm, yeah, no, I think that was a quick, quick turnaround there, but I feel like it's probably been a year since they've seen each other. Maybe. Well, you know what? Let's see. We have the technology. So as you were aired in, because I feel like the show sticks pretty close to. Yeah, but then you do have, I mean, you have the three month jump. Yeah, but that's, I feel like that's always that way because like the season ends in May and the next season starts in September. Yeah. But Into the Woods, which was Riley's previous episode aired. So it's been like 14 months okay which still like it's very no it's obviously very that's quick. that's a quick turnaround especially like after being like buffy is the literal love of my life like i will never yeah find but better I, I than know. her and he never he he knows that she never really loved him and i think he was yeah. able to get past it because of that's, that but that's true anyway and that, yeah i don't need to talk about riley anymore um then we enter we then, what is truly the darkest yeah. time of my life the next yeah. six episodes of this show <laughs> they really said we are going to make sure that every single character on the show suffers as much as possible mm-hmm. starting with hell's bells mm-hmm. where xander leaves anya at the altar mm-hmm. for low-key no reason because he gets like a little scared by like a demon spell and thinks that they're gonna like hate each other one day uh-huh. then we get normal again <sighs> Which, this episode pisses me off. Wh- why did they need to do that? Why did they need to do that? But basically, this this episode involves Buffy being stung by a demon and then sort of having these dreams that feel real, that she's like in a mental institution and that she's everything about her being a vampire slayer and everything that's happened in the show thus far is not reality um and that and they sort of leave it the end of the episode open-ended to be like could it be that like she was really there the whole time and the in the, the like the writers have even said like oh we didn't actually mean that we just thought it would be a, like a cool thing to put in the episode and it's like no you, you're invalidating the like everything that you've made us care about for six seasons like fuck that yeah it's it would be like um a very lame series finale like, oh, it'd be like the God. most offensive like way to like end the show incredibly offensive. Um, <clears throat> but it's also i mean they can like what you know what the writers can do whatever they want it's their world blah 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 but also just the fact that when she's suddenly like i was in a mental institution before like what if i oh never left it's like huh and also it's it's just such an offensive take on mental health and mental illness Mm -hmm. as well like it's just it it is not a good episode um yeah but anyway (laughs) yeah enough on that um and then we get into oh god um where do we even begin so anya comes back anya's pissed anya wants xander to pay she's now a vengeance demon again but she can't actually exact vengeance on him for some reason so she decides the next best thing to do is to fuck Spike. Look, look. This two-parter entropy into seeing red, seeing red is, as a Buffy fan, the hardest thing you have to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, entropy is the thing with, with thing, the thing with Anya and Spike fucking is like it hurts to watch that, and they're hurting the people that they care about. But 
Also, Xander has no right to be mad. Yeah. He just he just left her at the altar. She's an adult. She can do what she wants. Well, that's why it's such an infuriating episode to me is the fact that he takes it upon himself to be the victim. Mm-hmm. And not only in that discovery of seeing them having sex, but then also finding out that Buffy and Spike have been having sex. And he oh. also takes that like so personally. And it's just uh-huh. so, it just, it just harkens back to the entitlement of that character. Yeah. And the parallels with Joss are just like very unfortunate. Oh yeah. Where Xander just thinks that everyone, that he has like the right to just like fuck everyone. And if someone doesn't want to fuck him, then he's gets cranky. Yeah. And, and I mean, we talked about Xander's relationship with Spike many times. Like he's a character that, I mean, there are reasons of course, why, why Xander would hate Spike, but it's also pretty unfounded especially when the season starts out as it does where Buffy's gone and Spike has fully joined your group to be mm-hmm. a protector to like to be supportive like he has like fought by your side and they and they do say that at some point in the series but like and you know after Spike's actions and seeing red that's another thing but this is yeah. at this point for Xander to be as disgusting towards Buffy as he is upon finding out that they've been sleeping together, I think is just so hypocritical for, for coming from him. Like you're, you were going to marry a, she's, Anya was a vengeance demon for much, much longer than, than Spike was a vampire. So. But I, but I honestly think it comes down to the fact that Buffy rejected Xander's romantic advances. Of course. And I think that like he's throughout has always held this like, her on this pedestal of like the one that he can't have. So like mm-hmm. the fact that like someone he views as a villain and as like a dead thing mm. gets her. Yeah. I think that's what is totally pisses him off. Um, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I think this, this is good. Is... I think it's good. We'll talk about the dark shit and then we can circle back to like once more feeling and like okay. get end on a happier note. But yeah, seeing red, this is the Where to begin. this is the trigger warning section of mm-hmm. of the episode. I, I I don't even know how to talk about this episode. Okay, uh, so me, seeing yeah, mm? I I just want to say we're going to touch on something that that requires much more conversation and nuance than we can have in an an episode like a podcast episode that covers an entire season of television. So just just take that with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. So this is this episode's a real turning point for the season, um, where it starts where we have the reconciliation of Willow and Tara. Um, Tara had previously left Willow because of her addiction to the magics, um, and shows up again at the end of Entropy and is basically like, "Can we just like forget all that?" And it's this like very romantic return to form. Um, and this episode, they basically spend the whole time just in bed together. We think things are going really well. And then, of course, things go as poorly as they could mm-hmm. with Warren. Oh, God. It's like, it's it just makes my skin crawl. Because it's like, every time I, I get to that episode, it's like, oh, we should have known something bad was going to happen. Like, and really you mentioned this before, but this is the episode where they put, um, where they put Tara in the intro uh-huh. for the first time. Yeah, so to really add insult to injury, they decided to put um, 
Amber Benson in the opening credits for the first time as a, as a way of tricking us into being like, like, and I remember watching this being like, oh my God, she's finally opening credits. Yay. Mm -hmm. And then to kill her. Just like, just to get right to the point, this, the end of the episode um, after Buffy basically like humiliates Warren in some sort of battle and Jonathan and Andrew are arrested. Warren takes it upon himself to just show up at the Summer's house and start shooting, which, um, yeah, was a real, real choice. Because Um, they don't even like, uh, Buffy as a series is very careful about they don't use guns very much and they're actually like very against them. And it feels something mm-hmm. like something that's very cold uh, and dangerous in a show that is not really about like those, those sorts of methods of, of killing of violence, characters. Yeah. It's a, it's a, you know, there's magic and fantasy involved in all of these deaths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, it was done for shock value and to, you know, kind of emphasize that Warren is just, a measly little man and what do these like fragile white men when they Mm -hmm. feel marginalized and masculated do they pick up a gun and just again start shooting Mm -hmm. um so the target of the shooting was buffy and she is shot in the backyard after reconciling with xander but a stray bullet also goes up into the bedroom and hits tara Mm -hmm. um killing her instantly yeah and uh, i mean there's so many issues with this. And I think people have talked a lot about how important Willow and Tara's relationship was to the fans and the, and the fandom and to television history to see mm-hmm. two queer women be together on, on a television show. And they even like are much, they get the most explicit about their sexual relationship in seeing red, like right before Tara is killed is when you actually sort of see them, in bed together and having these more intimate moments um and so there's there's definitely the bury your gaze trope um that this is certainly a part of of just like how queer characters never survive a television series and i think um it just goes back to they wanted to use this as a device to spur willow into her descent into darkness into becoming dark willow and i do think her character arc at the end of the season is very interesting, but there's obviously, and this is something that we've talked about previously where Joss and, and the rest of the team, there's not a lot of care taken in what is the narrative device that's going to get our characters to the point where we want them to be and not really um, caring the sort of trauma that they're putting their characters through or their audiences through for that yeah. matter to get their, to get to the characters to this place. And it's the same with Spike's arc. And we can talk about that in a second mm-hmm. where they're really, they're, they're completely focused on what is the end goal of where I want the story to go. And what's the most, like if I have to, if it's extreme, like an extreme way that I have to get there, I don't really care. Like I need to get us there for the sake of the story. Right. It's, you know, the, do the ends justify the means? Mm-hmm. Um, because yes, I do think that in some ways, yeah, if you look at it from through a certain lens, it's like, okay, like who was the most dispensable character? Mm-hmm. Who do you pluck out and it actually affects the least number of people? Mm-hmm. And that is unfortunately Tara. You could maybe make the case for Anya. But, but she, yeah, it wouldn't have the same but, effect know, because like, because well, the thing with Tara is that she's a character that 
all of the rest of the characters love and care about, even if they aren't as affected by her being there or not being there. And she also is someone that matters so much to one character. Like I would argue Tara means more to Willow than Anya means to Xander. Like, I don't know if you can compare this, but it's not an apples to apples, but yeah. Yeah. But uh, as you know, and as we will discuss next episode, what they do, the disrespect that is brought upon Tara's name is via Kennedy is just unforgivable. (laughs) Yes. But yeah, the, you, you make such a good point about like the fact that it was to have this groundbreaking relationship on network television and the fact that they do, they're the ones who really just get the most tragic, violent mm-hmm. end is just like so unnecessary. <laughs> just mm-hmm. like, could there have been any other way? <laughs> and I think honestly, I think that's why the opening credits moment pisses me off so much just because it felt like it was kind of like, like <laughs> yeah, it was like a slap like, in the face. Gosh, like, yeah. Yeah. It's guys. like, yeah. Fuck you guys. Like either like, I mean, Tara should have been a series regular for season five and six like there's just she is in every single episode they talk about it like i guess joss wanted to do that in um the pilot with jesse who's like xander's friend who you sort of think is going to be a part of the gang the whole time i think maybe we even talked about this in in the first episode um but joss joss was had always like had it in his mind that he wanted to do something like this and it just this was the worst possible situation yeah it would make sense with that character because it's a pilot and, you know, it's just one episode and kind of like a fun bait and switch. You know, I know that that's something that's done, actually done more nowadays. I can think of, I don't want to give spoilers for different shows, but I can definitely think of other shows mm-hmm. where like, it's usually, I feel like it's been more like a, like a famous actor. Yeah. Even like a, even show. like a Ned Stark in Game of Thrones situation. Like it's a little bit different, but him, mm-hmm. like him, oh, yeah. you know, Sean Bean dying at the end of that of the first season of that show where you really thought he was going to be sort of the main character throughout, like that sort of yeah. stuff it's definitely happens. Yeah. That, no, you're so right. Like that device, especially when you have actors of a, of a higher caliber where they like really like, I'm going to sign, sign on for one season of a show. Mm-hmm. Um, like I know in like the, the original pilot for lost Jack was supposed to die. Yeah. When I think right. it was supposed to be, he was supposed to be played like Michael Keaton or something. But. Yeah. I think I remember that um anywho anyway to talk the, about yeah what else I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, I'm, happens gonna in this episode this yeah uh, so i mean seeing red is the episode where spike attempts to rape buffy um and there's there's really no uh, no other way to to say that um it's extremely difficult to watch this episode and talk about this episode um and Again, like there are no words to excuse this character for his actions. It's sort of the way that it comes about is that, you know, at the end of As You Were, as we said, um, is when Buffy sort of ends the sexual relationship that she's having with Spike, which in many ways is is just a sexual relationship, but in many other ways is obviously an emotional relationship for both of them. I, I don't know if there is love there for Buffy there's, I think there certainly is love there for Spike. Um, They clearly have deep feelings towards each other in one way or another. Um, And they have a connection where he's been the one that's there for her. And he's the one that understands what she's going through when she, when she comes back in this season. Mm -hmm. Um, And after she ends that relationship with him, 
you know, he doesn't deal with it well. He For a few episodes, he deals with it all right. And they have sort of a very civil um, interaction in Hell's Bells and things like that. But seeing Red is where it really comes to a head. And he sort of has this moment where he feels like if he can, if he can just get close enough to her, he can make her sort of remember that she does have these feelings towards him and, and really forces himself on her at a time where she's already injured. So, and we don't, we're not used to seeing Buffy in that sort of vulnerable place. Um, mm-hmm. So he sort of like has the upper hand against her and, you know, thankfully she stops it and, and it, and it doesn't happen. And, and, and you see him have the moment of realization of like, Oh my God, what, what did I just do? And this is what spurs Spike to, leave Sunnydale and this is and and you know spoiler alert but this is spurs him to get his soul back at the end of this season um so yes i I think it speaks to exactly what you were just saying where it's like they wanted spike to get a soul Mm -hmm. and they're like how can we make this happen what is Mm -hmm. the worst thing possible that he Mm -hmm. could do Mm -hmm. to make himself realize that he needs to do this and what's even more shitty is that until like the literal last seconds of Grave, where you find out that that's what he was transported to Africa somehow of for. Of course. How yes. did he get there? Motorcycle. Um, motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> is it, it almost, to me at least, correct me if I'm wrong, they narratively make it look like he's going to get some like more like superpower so he can like kill Buffy or like. And I really don't know why they do it that way. There was no need for them to do that. I mean, I guess there's, yeah, there's the implication of like, oh, is he going, is he going to get his soul back? Or is he going to get the chip out so that he can like, or like, is he going to find his, like, he wants to be bad again or like whatever it is. But I I don't think there was any reason to do that. Like people have speculated that like Spike's, intention was to become evil again but whatever whoever this demon was like knew that what he actually needed was his soul back like there's all of these like theories i i personally believe that he went to retrieve his soul the entire time i don't know why he would have gone through what he went through to like remove the chip or what like i don't that doesn't make sense to me either way again like this is what we've talked about before where it's like a means to an end that is so traumatic and so offensive and and i don't again i've said this many times i never i never mean to apologize for or do away with any of spike's actions but i i personally almost don't think of this episode as canon which it Mm -hmm. is and i totally understand that and it's in the series and the implications are very real but i think that i think what basically happened with Spike's character and with this narrative is that Joss was always, or this is anecdotal, but this is my understanding of things is that Joss was always sort of annoyed by how beloved Spike was. And they sort of did all these things. They wanted him to be seen as more of a villain than he was. And they kept doing all these things to sort of like course correct for how, how much he was beloved by the fandom. Um, but I think the reality is that I, I won't sit here and say that Spike's attempted rape of Buffy is 
completely out of character for him because he is Mm -hmm. a monster. And I think the show wanted to remind you of that. But I think at this point in the series, with everything they've shown us about his character, I, I don't really believe that it fits within that narrative anymore. And I mm-hmm. think that the reality is like, you wrote a character that was so beloved by your fandom that you cannot, Did if we forgot that Spike was a monster, that was because of the work that you did yeah. to add so much depth to, depth to his character that that's not what we think of when we think of him anymore. So it's it's just, I think, I think such an inappropriate treatment of that character and of the audience and there's many stories of and of how affect how, how much James Marsters was also affected by this experience and has talked about like having to go to years of therapy to deal with the fact that he was even forced to shoot this scene and everything that I've heard is like it, he was like I'll do it one time and like get the shot because I'm like never going to do it again like this was and it again speaks to like Joss's behavior on the set of the show forcing his actors to have to participate in these sorts of storylines. And the last thing I'll say about it is, like you were saying, they use it as a device to spur Spike to get his soul. And I think in season seven, there's a lot of forgiveness for his character that happens, especially from the audience and from Buffy herself. Um, And I, I don't think we can ever say who is or isn't allowed to forgive someone for for doing something like this. But there is no real world parallel to getting your soul back. So I think yeah. the reason that you can forgive Spike in the fandom is because getting his soul back is the one thing that you could foresee him doing to atone for his actions in this episode. There is no, there is no real world equivalent. So we we cannot judge like, are you allowed to be forgiven for doing something like that? His character is. And I think in order to have him remain in the story and be, and to still be, be a beloved character and to have the arc that he has to become the hero of this, of, of the story in many ways, one of the heroes is, you know, you just have to, you have to let him come back from this, but it's an extremely complicated situation. Um, and it's a really dark, really, really dark moment in this series for many people. Yeah. I also think it's, I don't know if it's like worth noting or if this carries any weight, but I think that what makes it almost worse is that it was just like a plot, a a brief plot device. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think I would, or I would hope now that this level of sexual violence would not be just kind of thrown in there in the same way, 20 years later. Of course. Um, Anywho. So enough about seeing bread. It is, it is an, an unfortunate catalyst that kicks off a series of objectively like really, really great episodes. Um, I mean, Dark Willow is a fascinating mm-hmm. character, a much more worthy adversary mm-hmm. for as a big bad. Um, you know, I think it was not inevitable, but it makes sense in the trajectory of the show that one of the Scoobies would turn out to be Mm-hmm. a villain that wasn't like angel of course um i think that i think there are ways that they could have built up willow's descent into magic and again mm-hmm. even using magic as a metaphor for addiction that wasn't just kind of like clumsily i feel like they just like fumbled it and yeah. it's you know allison hannigan just chews through all the scenery in these last couple ups and mm-hmm. is genuinely scary 
and mm-hmm. it's like genuinely like you believe that you know her friends obviously care about her and want to help her but are also like shit <laughs> we gotta totally. fight back <laughs> totally no i i think the season ends in a really powerful way willow is obviously going after warren for killing Tara, um, and then in turn going after Jonathan and Andrew as well for sort of being his accomplices. Jonathan and Andrew make it out alive. Warren does not. Certainly doesn't. Skinned on a tree. Love to see it. Um, Yes. So the season ends with Xander being the one to pull Willow back from her darkness um, by sort of appealing to her innermost humanity appealing to their you know you you're reminded that these two have been by far have been friends the longest out of and have loved each other for the longest out of anyone on this series and i I do think it's you know you never want to see like the man have to sort of come to the rescue but i think it is one of the better things that xander does in this entire oh for sure well and i think that i see it less as the man coming to the rescue and more so like this, these brief moments where Xander is actually valuable uh-huh. and because they establish that he's for better or for worse is kind of like the heart mm-hmm. of the group and mm-hmm. kind of because he has no powers he's kind of just like he's there to kind of keep everyone the glue that keeps everyone together so to speak so I think it, it makes total sense that he's the one to get through to her and also We've already had this like epic battle with Buffy and Willow and eventually Daddy Giles in the magic mm-hmm. box. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't have made sense for like Buffy to be the one to No, I think it's just hard to see him get to have that moment when he's been Yeah. The worst possible version of himself for so mm-hmm. much of this season and in this in the episodes true. immediately leading up to that where it's like he sort of gets to have where i think i think it's implied that they both sort of have a moment of reckoning and of healing with each other mm-hmm. but it's just you're so annoyed with xander at that point in the season that it, that it is a little bit tough um yeah it's also it is interesting again that speaks to these characters never acknowledging each other's grief Mm-hmm. Which is, I do feel like Tara's death, while pivotal, is often just gets like swallowed mm-hmm. by the story. Yeah. In the sense that, like, we get a brief moment where Willow tells Xander and Buffy that Tara's mm-hmm. dead. Yeah. And they're literally like, oh, what? oh my God. Oh, awful. <laughs> yeah. And I guess you do, you do have Dawn like sitting with the body, which is like a very yeah. sad, very sad. Um, but yeah, I totally moment. agree. It's like, it doesn't, it's not able to have the moment that it deserves because the this, this story is hurtling forward and, mm-hmm. and it, it just becomes immediately focused on on how that death affects Willow. Yeah. Um, I will also say you get the important scene in the finale of one of, I, this finale is really like not super focused on Buffy actually, which I think is sort of Mm-mm. interesting out of all of the, all of the season finales, but you do get the important sequence of her and Dawn for some reason being like trapped in a ditch like grave situation in, in a cemetery and they have to fight off skeletons that have come to life. It's the plot is, is messy, but you get this moment of like Buffy, not only realizing that Dawn has grown up and is 
can fight by her side and, and she should think of her differently. But also Dawn being there to sort of help Buffy. There is this very circular moment of Buffy again, yeah. climbing out of a grave, but this time having it be, she's not alone. And, you know, she's mm-hmm. uh, you, you, uh, Buffy sort of re re-enters the light and she's, she spent basically this entire season dealing, trying to deal with the fact that she was ripped out of heaven and she doesn't really want to be in this world. Um, and by the end of the season, you feel like she, she is ready to be here again. And she knows that she's needed and she's loved and she's wanted. Yeah. She's like depression over. Yeah. <laughs> Although I, I hate that the exchange when like Buffy's like crying and Dawn's like, sorry to like disappoint you or like whatever or that the girl right. did. And she's like, shut up. Oh my God. Like shut up Dawn. Shut up. And I mentioned this in last season or last episode about season five is like Dawn in this season. I just find like so insufferable just because mm-hmm. She's stripped of her powers and all she exists is to kind of like either get in the way or whine. Mm -hmm. But I agree with you that this is definitely a pivotal moment for her and for the both of them moving forward where she really becomes one of the gang Mm -hmm. in a a very different way during Mm -hmm. season seven. Just to circle back to Warren's death. Yep. Because I do think it's an interesting moment. A, because he's like the primary villain in like Willow's eyes, but is the first to die. Right. And I understand that that was kind of like the choice to be like, okay, like this is the way to really enforce like Willow has gone to the mm-hmm. the lowest of the lows, like the, like she's taken a human life. Like right. there's no coming back from that. But then to see her just kind of like go after Jonathan and Andrew, doesn't, doesn't it feel like a little kind of like lame? <laughs> no, totally. And I mean, and they're, and they continue to sort of act as, comic relief even when the stakes are this high which is an interesting choice and again like we'll talk more about the two of them in season seven but um there's some interesting choices made with both of those characters and i i i think a lot of people i end up really liking andrew and being mm-hmm. glad that he's a part of the gang but at the same time like he, i i do feel he's pretty easily forgiven for his role in all of this even though yes. you know he was coerced for sure and maybe again we can talk about this more in season seven but a, a character who is obviously queer coded and it is mm-hmm. yes but it's still it never... comes to the forefront but it's still so subtle well that and also it gets kind of retconned in his appearances in angel season five mm-hmm. um where he's seen like with like like two hot ladies and just kind of like oh like, god what are you do-? like like, no. what are you doing? No, no, no. Um, I mean, I guess he could be bisexual, but like, I mean, come on, it's Tom Link. Like, let's, let's call a spade a spade. Yeah. Um, um, okay. So uh, now that we've, we've, I think we've really talked about the darkness and the worst parts yes. of this season. Let's, let's circle back <laughs> and let's talk about the greatest thing that's mm-hmm. ever happened, which is. Yeah. Arguably the best episode of the series. Once more with feeling. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think it is. It's my favorite episode to rewatch. It's this episode I've certainly mm-hmm. seen the most times because it is such a fun one-off as well to return to. I mean, just an absolutely brilliant execution. And it and it it would have been so easy for this episode to be terrible. And we've seen oh, it yeah. happen many times with subsequent series who are basically trying to do exactly what Buffy did and having a musical episode. And not only is it just executed poorly but lacks the meat like i think people really don't understand 
that the reason this episode is good is be is excellent is because of the meaning behind what was going on here and that using using music so brilliantly as a device for truth telling i think you know mm-hmm. they they sort of allude to this fa- that this idea of like when you're in a musical you're not going to say your feelings out loud you're going to sing them like the the most truth comes out in song and this is as we said the episode where everyone else learns that buffy was not saved from hell she was ripped from heaven and she is having an incredibly difficult time being back on earth she feels like she's now in hell and no one has been there for her this entire time because they didn't fully understand her situation but also like did not care to try to um and again yeah this is the episode where Buffy and Spike share their first real kiss as again he's been the person that has been there for her this entire time Willow and Tara share conolingus while floating <laughs> um so there's a lot there's a lot here <laughs> in, in a full corset absolutely yes renaissance garb like you wouldn't believe but also just the songs are very good like we oh, have to really we have to celebrate joss here i'm sorry <laughs> yeah this is um yeah there's so so much care and with these choices were made but also done in a way that was so nonchalant mm-hmm. like just like it's like of course there'd be an episode where like there's a musical demon and everyone's bursting into song like that totally would make sense in the world that's created and i think also what they did such a good job of is while like there are various degrees of musical talent in the cast mm-hmm. like it works all, it works and i think because they're like like you you have stronger vocalists than others and it's just like this is kind of just what it is like mm-hmm. and just makes it feel more down to earth in a way and i think also because all the songs are original because mm-hmm. like we've seen in or i've certainly seen like i'm just thinking of god there's a Grey's anatomy musical episode where they're oh, singing yeah. like pop most songs. musical episode is just jukebox yeah. like it's yeah. just they're using popular songs yeah which is just so <laughs> stupid and yeah. so just like not i don't know not it in my opinion whereas like you can tell it was like oh shit like they put some time and some effort into using these songs to really further the plot oh yeah exactly Um, that's that's what it is is that it is integral to the plot versus so many other series who have tried to imitate this where they're like we're just having fun in this episode and then we're just going to sort of return back to normal next time um yeah, I, I don't I don't even know there's there there aren't words to describe how much this episode means to me and to so much of the fandom. I mean, it's widely, widely beloved. I mean, not even in the in the fandom. I think it's categorically considered one of the best episodes of television. Absolutely. Of all time. And you know, it's got a nine point seven on IMDB. Really just really just fucking fucking stellar. Um Yeah. Um, a couple of others, uh, a couple other highlights. I think, I think the, the, the whole beginning of the season, I do think is, is pretty strong. Um, there are some really important scenes to me between Spike and Buffy, um, where, you know, his speech about how he, he couldn't save her when it mattered, but he's saved her every 
birthday since then and his dreams like tears um mm-hmm. tabula rasa is another incredible episode especially coming yeah. off of once more with feeling um they stuck the landing they really, really did. Tabula Rasa um, also has very high high ratings, 9.2 uh-huh. on IMDb. I feel like there, there are a lot of episodes that recycle similar plot devices in terms mm-hmm. of memory loss or mm-hmm. alternate versions of people and blah, 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 blah. Because, and like, this is something we've seen before. Like, I'm just thinking like the Halloween episode in season two, mm-hmm. where they kind of like forget who they are and things like that. But mm-hmm. It's done with such, oh, it's just done so well and so funny. And I mean, the Michelle Branch at the Bronx. Oh, yeah. I, is, I mean, has there ever been something more iconic? There has not. It is so heartbreaking. It's, it's when you're simultaneously seeing Willow and Tara break up. You're seeing Giles leave Sunnydale. And you're seeing... Buffy and Spike fucking making it making out in a, in a making, spe- it out. making it out in a special corner. Um, really important yeah. sequence for me. Um, yeah, I and then th- I, well, I want to bring something up in regards to this kind of arc because I've seen it discussed on the Instagram. Yep. and again, this could this might be a trigger warning sort of moment, which is prior to this episode, both these episodes. I think it's in all the way mm-hmm. where Willow uses some sort of spell on Tara to make her forget about how they were fighting. Yes. And then proceeds. And while under said spell, they do have sex during once more the feeling. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it basically discussed that could be considered sexual assault. I, I think it's certainly complicated. I, I was always under the impression that when when Willow makes Tara forget about something that happened, that is sort of the extent of the spell. And then she doesn't yeah. continue to be under a spell moving forward. Like I feel like her actions in Once More with Feeling are her own. But you certainly could argue that like the you know, the the reason that they're in such a good place in their relationship and why she feels so happy and why she feels like she wants to be have these sexual experiences with Willow in that episode is because. She doesn't mm-hmm. remember what happened. I mean, it's certainly very messy and it's no matter how you slice it an extremely inappropriate way to behave as someone's partner. And I think completely justifies why they should not be together at this time. Um, but again, it's the sort of thing where there isn't a real world equivalent. Mm-hmm. Sort of like we didn't really speak about this too much in season four but where when faith sleeps with riley while she's in buffett's yep. body mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. he has not actually given consent to sleep with faith yeah but it's hard to look at that objectively and have a real discussion surrounding the assault involved when mm-hmm. there's magic involved there's no way to really like look at that and and say what is or isn't something although i think that i think that situation is much more explicitly assault um for sure and you know also when you have a season that's obviously was discussed the sexual assault in seeing red but there's also the sexual assault in dead things right oh um, my god dead things is so i mean that and it is and it is extremely extremely explicit in that episode as well with with warren's treatment 
of Katrina. Katrina. His his ex-girlfriend who <clears throat> ends up losing her life um, to the situation. Uh, it is, right, when you have these more overt examples of what assault looks like in this universe, you know, it, it certainly feels different, but it's, it is, I think, definitely worth discussing those sorts of things as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm more so just kind of curious because it's something I never considered in the many times I've rewatched it. Mm-hmm. Um, but just worth noting, especially if it opens up a dialogue of how this type of the representation of this type of plot device exists in the show. Yeah. Like I hadn't really considered seeing like the scene with faith and Xander in mm-hmm. season three until you kind of point out, I was like, Oh my God, like, of course that was sexual. Like it's just, it's, just, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Or, it unfortunately um, happens a lot on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the scene with, in dead things that the aforementioned finger banging scene, which is like oh, funny. God, yeah. It's funny to think about in some ways, but also is, Oh my God. It is like terrible to watch that. And, and it's so uh, gross. Sarah Michelle Geller has spoken out about how much she particularly hated and didn't want to film that. It didn't feel like it was within Buffy's character to do something like that. Like Sarah and James both struggled with some of the, some of the sexually violent things that their characters do to each other in this season. Um, and well, again, it's, it's, it goes back the, the, to the, Joss Whedon. Yeah. Like there's like, there's like a quote of Joss of, of another writer saying like Joss had this idea in his head for, for a long time of like wanting to see the two of them having this sexually explicit moment while she's like watching her friends and in like it's a public so, place. It's, it's so gross. gross. And just like, I just, yeah, truly like an unnecessary moment because because again, they're obviously they were leading up to more violent things to come between the two of them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when he's just like, no, like look at them. It's like, how about no? Yeah, how about not? And again, they are so terrible to each other in so many ways. And like she's gaslighting him the entire time. He's so problematic and possessive. It is their relationship in this season is extremely, extremely difficult. I, I think yeah. that that's why I'm I'm excited to talk more about season seven because I'm mm-hmm. really glad that you have where their relationship goes in season seven and the fact that in, in the entirety of season seven, they do not, they don't kiss. There is no, there, there, there's just, they, they don't do anything sexual and, and they like really are able to sort of repair their relationship mm-hmm. in that season, especially now that, Spike has a soul. Um, again, we'll get more into that in season seven. And, and I'm, I'm just glad that we had that conclusion to their story and that what happens between them in season six isn't, isn't all there is, but it is, it is very tough. Um, Anywho, are there any other anyway, highlights? <laughs> I mean, literally not really. Yeah. Again, like the <clears throat> end of the season is, is very strong. I mean, I guess you could argue like some of these episodes that are more difficult to watch no, I can't even say they're good. There's like, there's not a ton of really great episodes in the entire middle section of this no. season. Um, yeah, I feel like you're, you're right. You kind of get like the 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 reintroduction of Buffy back to life. I mean, bargaining is a, is a great two-parter. Mm-hmm. Um, once more with feeling and top of the Ross are, are great kind of like middle moments. And then we kind of descend mm-hmm. further and further into darkness and, at the very least villains two to go and grave are mm-hmm. 
dark in a way that's still entertaining and not right. in a way that just exudes suffering. Absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, we've been talking for, for quite a while, yeah. so maybe I'll, I'll ask you a couple of questions here. Yeah, this is um, our high stakes moment. This is high. This is our high stakes moment. Great. Um, I guess maybe this is something that's sort of interesting to talk about. We already have been talking about it a lot. Out of the following terrible actions committed by characters during the season, which of the following would you choose to completely erase from the Buffyverse? So I had Xander leaving Anya at the altar, Willow going bad and killing Warren, Giles abandoning Buffy and the Scoobies, <laughs> Spike trying to rape Buffy, or Tara's death. Definitely Spike trying to rape Buffy because I think it yeah. doesn't actually add mm-hmm. anything to the story. I agree. I think that, you know, there's, I have a lot of feelings about Tara's death as discussed. Um, I wish they had not killed her off. I think that there would, could have been ways to still have Willow mm-hmm. descend into darkness without that level of violence. Mm-hmm. But I do respect that at a certain point, you know, shows do kill off main characters. It made sense for the storyline. It's unfortunate that it really kind of executed one of the greatest queer couples on television. Um, but more on that in season seven. So it definitely, I think you could take out the attempted rape and not a whole lot would change. Yeah, because again, arguably, there are a million other ways that you could have convinced the audience that Spike was was ready to get his soul back. Like, yeah. I, I feel like he they've even just Buffy rejecting him and saying like, I don't want to be with you anymore. I can't be with you. I'm using you. I can never love you. Would yeah. have been plenty to get him there because they'd already built it up for two full seasons at this point, like how much he cared about her and how much he wanted to be that man for her. Yeah. Or even like her seeing him sleep with Anya and then like, if he tried to like get back together with her and she's like, no, like blah, 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 blah. Exactly. You just like literally like just don't include that scene. (laughs) Exactly. Um, All right. You have to listen to one song from once more with feeling on repeat for 24 hours, which you choose. That's so hard. I know. <laughs> I'm like, I would just listen to the full soundtrack on repeat for 24 yeah, hours. Like, no problem. Just sort of by choice. And it would definitely be Dawn's. Um, Does anybody even notice? <laughs> I remember watching it for the first time being like, ugh, I don't need a Dawn song. And I was like, ah. Thank God. No, because the behind the scenes for this episode was that Dawn specifically asked to not have to sing, but to instead do a dance number. And Fine. Allison Hannigan specifically asked to not sing or dance. <laughs> so she's sort of barely featured. Yeah, I love it. I think this line's mostly filler. Yeah. Um, I, ooh, I don't know. I actually really don't know. I think I would say, I mean, I literally love so many of these episodes. Okay, well, mm, I'm just going to say a bunch. I obviously am obsessed yeah. <laughs> with Rest in Peace, but like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that. Yeah, that wouldn't be my top choice. I think... I think that I think the whole like something to sing about into where yeah. do we go from mm-hmm. here that yeah. sequence I think I, love I would so agree. Much. I also love what's it called like but like through the fire. Oh, walk through called? the fire. Walk through the fire. That's a good mm-hmm. one. I, I like going through the motions. Uh huh. I like the um, under your spell and the reprise with Giles. Uh huh. The the, repri- the reprise is good. The yeah. harmonies are there. I mean, like. Amber Benson was bringing 
she was bringing it. I mean, like a little pitchy at times, but like a nice, yes. a nice uh, airy sort of soprano. I mean, Anthony Stewart Head is the I best mean, vocalist hmm. in this cast. I mean, of, he of <laughs> is amazing. Yeah, I'm like okay. Um. Yeah. No, there. There's incredible, incredible. Um, no, I, I I agree. I think I would do something to sing about into where do we go from here? Yeah. If we're allowed to have a we're allowed to do whatever we want. Um, I asked this question on a previous season and I feel like we've already probably talked about the answer, but the, you get to give the writing staff a do do over. So choose an episode from the season where you'd give notes and have them rewrite it. So it's the same premise, but with a better execution. Like, I think you could just say, seeing red i was gonna like say seeing you, red like you said we like you could rewrite seeing red without the bathroom scene mm-hmm. and still have the same thing sort of take place and i think yeah take tara out of the opening credits like fucking mm-hmm. just don't do this like playful shit surrounding tara's death like you have to rewrite a lot more than one episode if you wanted to remove tara's death i think but i would agree I have one other thing that I'm going to save for season seven. So that's, that's high stakes for today. <laughs> Great. Well, I think we kind of like really dissected. We really dissected this, this season. season in a way. I feel like we haven't done with other ones, but I think because there's, there's less to um, compliment. It's less like, Oh, and this great episode, Oh, and this great episode. It's like, Oh, and this episode where the worst thing imaginable happens. And then, oops, it just gets worse. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know why I even, <laughs> I still just have a lot of affection for this season. This, but you're not alone. I think that yeah. season six is one of those seasons that I think is very split mm-hmm. with, but very passionate on both sides. Right. So I think that you, you know, while it's like season, like a, like a season seven, I would say gets a lot of mixed reviews, mm-hmm. but in the sense that I feel like they're mixed across the board, mm-hmm. which I disagree with. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas I think season six, you either have the people that are like, this season is so painful and it ruined the show and it's so mm-hmm. hard to get through. And you have the people that are like, no, but it's, you have to embrace that darkness. And mm-hmm. there is that level of the romanticizing of the violence. Yes. And this abusive relationship between Spike and Buffy, I think is not, not a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is not, it is not, you, B- Buffy is not the only show that features and romanticizes an abusive relationship in this way, emotionally, physically, whatever. Mm-hmm. They're just able to cloak it. They're able to cloak the physical violence to an extent because of her super strength. And right, because exactly. like, in theory, she's beating him up too, but it's right. like, yeah. right. Totally. Um, I mean, there's always, there's always so much more to say, but uh, for the sake of, of wrapping things up, just do the, our badass bitch for the season. Um, I'm going to say Tara, hmm. which just to, you know, just to do something different, you could always do Buffy, I think. And she's extremely, extremely strong in this season as much as she's also very flawed. Um, but I'm going to say Tara because not only does she, not only do we witness her on ceremonious death, but I think leading up to that, this is some of Tara's some of Tara's best scenes happen Mm -hmm. in this season. Like we've said, she's always been a character who is more tapped into empathy and, and to other people's emotions and to other people's trauma and especially to Buffy's, you know, we've spoken about 
the scene in, in Dead Things where it's, it, I think it's surprising in some ways that Tara is the person that Buffy ends up confiding in about her relationship with Spike out of all of the Scoobies, you know, Tara's the, probably the one she's least close to, which is maybe why it's easiest for her to type, to divulge oh, this information. But um, I think Tara handles it extremely well um, and is extremely understanding and, and empathetic Again, um, you also have some nice sequences with Tara and Dawn and, and Tara trying to be mm-hmm. there for Dawn. Um, and and early in the season, Tara and Willow sort of acting as Dawn's parents. Like they've moved yeah. into the Summer's house. Buffy is gone. Joyce is gone. Like they are the ones who are caring for her and protecting her, even if they are apparently not making any money and just sort of like destroying the house and... Um, <laughs> squandering any inheritance that that dawn might have had um but still i think i don't know i i uh, love tara the most in this season and i think she has she's given a, a lot more to do and she does a lot with what she's given so yeah i really like that answer hmm. um i'm not <laughs> sure if i'm gonna have a better one no worries <laughs> My my gut was going to say Willow, but I mm-hmm. think that's just because I, I think that Allison Hannigan does her best work in this season. She certainly has. I mean, this is absolutely the most powerful arc for her character. You know, I think that she is an actor who we see Willow make a lot of really terrible decisions mm-hmm. <laughs> um, back to back to back to back. Mm-hmm. And yet you still root for her. Yeah. And I think that that is really a testament to um, Allison's performance and her commitment to the character. And I think in lesser hands, like Dark Willow would have not landed in the same way. Because mm-hmm. I think you need to still really care about that character and like mm-hmm. want to see her triumph. Totally. Um, but... So- so you're a badass bitch as Allison Hannigan. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like her. I like her answer of Tara because I think you're right. I think that she is the kind of the quiet, unsung mm. hero of the mm-hmm. season in the sense that she's what is actually kind of grounding a lot of people mm-hmm. and a lot of characters, and is unfortunately unceremoniously killed off. But I just yeah, I feel so I feel so conflicted about her death because I I want to eradicate it and I want it to not be there but then I'm also just like but that's like the nature of television and like this type of show where it's like when you have a show that deals with death like there's going to be painful deaths that Mm -hmm. make an impact yeah and maybe maybe if her death had made like a little more of an impact yeah maybe that's (laughs) maybe that maybe that's what it is like to see the characters mourn her not that we needed like a whole like other like episode like the body Mm. but i think what makes that episode so strong and so memorable is that you see each character go through a different phase of grief in regards to that yeah and whereas this she again she just kind of gets usurped her death gets usurped by willow's magical rampage which is what it is but yeah I, th- I think it's more so. I think my issue is actually more so with how it's ha- how her character is, the lack of handling, and her reference in season seven. Yeah, I agree. But more on that. Yeah, more on that week. next week. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. I know this was a long one. We had a lot to say about season six. Um, 
but we hope that you've been enjoying it. We will return next time to talk about the final season of of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and then for one more subsequent episode to just have some more discussion, listener questions and things like that. So you can email us at rwfpodcast at gmail.com or DM us at rwfpodcast. Um, we're, we're, yeah, we're looking forward to continuing to talk about this. This has been so much fun for us and yeah. we really appreciate you guys being along for the ride. Okay. Bye, bitches. Bye, bitches. Oh, whoops. <laughs>